Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Chapter 16, and he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. He called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said unto himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship I cannot dig. Big, I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me unto their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou, my Lord? He said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said unto him, Take thy bill and write four score. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, how, uh, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and man. May the Lord add his blessing to this his word. Let us pray. Our Father, may the truth of your word come forth from the written page and speak to our hearts. We are your children in your house this morning to praise your name, and may that which comes forth from our lips be a reflection of that which is in our heart, for we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I have two brothers and a sister. I'm the oldest of the family. The brother that is next to me, two years younger than me, was always the fellow in the family who was in trouble. If anybody could get in trouble, he could do it. Always had to be somebody that way. He was it. When we were kids, my father bought a brand new Dodge automobile. There was one thing on that car that I'd never seen on one, and that was the trip odometer, which you could set, you know, and you could figure out how many miles on a trip. My brother was 16. 
I was 18, had my license already, and he just got his. And you know, there's a th strange thing happens to boys immediately upon receiving a driver's license. That is, you can no longer walk. Your legs won't carry you anywhere. My father had just filled up the car with gas on Friday night and set the trip odometer to zero. My brother, on Saturday, wanted to go less than a quarter of a mile to visit his friend Richard. And, of course, it was too far to walk now. So my father inquired as to, really, was that the only place he was going? Yes, he was just going down to see Richard, and he would be back. Nowhere else, no. And so my father gave him the keys to the brand-new Dodge, he drove down to Richard's house, but uh, he got the idea that with his new license, he ought to use those licenses, and so he and Richard went for a drive against his promise. And when he got back, the speedometer uh, had gone over 100 miles, and he thought, I had better stop at the gas station and fill up with gas so that Dad won't know that I drove the car came home and put it in the garage. Sunday morning came and my father got the car out of the garage and his eyes got big as he saw that plus 100 miles. He said to my brother, did you go anywhere yesterday? No, just down to Richard's. He said, would you explain to me how that odometer says over a hundred miles. Be sure your sins will find you out. Man will give an account of himself to his father. For he keeps the odometer of our activities. Every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment, Matthew 12, 36. The Lord gave us a parable of a man who was an owner of property, who was taking a long journey, and he came to his stewards, the caretakers of his property. And he told them that he was going on a journey, and he gave to one of them five talents, which was a sum of money, and another two, and another one. And he said to them, take this and use it while I'm gone, so that when I return, I can have interest on my money. We are God's stewards entrusted with his property. As my... Uh, uh, Brother was the steward of that automobile entrusted to him to care for and take care of and use as he had agreed and as our father had instructed. So are we responsible unto the eternal father for everything that has been put in our hands. Be it five talents, be it two, or be it only one. To use as we have been instructed 
in order that God could receive the benefit to that which we do in this life. The scripture says in John 1, 3, as John introduces this gospel, he says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. There is not a time that we can say, this is mine, and I will do with it as I please, for it is all God's, and we are his stewards, given his property, that we might use it for his glory while we're here. And on the day of judgment, to return all of his property to him, and hopefully he will receive some benefit, some interest, some usury from that which we have used. The story we have before us is of a man who had a steward who was given charge over all that his master owned. But the word got back to the master that the steward had abused his stewardship and had not properly handled that which had been given into his care. And he called him to task, as we all will be called into task someday. In this case, he was charged with wasting the master's goods. I wonder if we will be facing that same charge someday. As a result of the charge that he could not defend, he was relieved of his stewardship. Jesus gave us a parable of the fig tree that stood in the vineyard or in the orchard Year after year, it did not produce. Finally, the owner of the fig tree said to the carer of the orchard, go out there and cut that tree down and get rid of it, for it's simply cluttering up the ground. It's producing nothing. And the caretaker said to the master, give me one more year, and I will fertilize it. I will till it, dig around it, I will trim it, I will do all those things that are necessary to make it produce. One more year, and then if it won't produce, okay, then we'll cut it down. And the master agreed. The one person in the parable of the talents that got only the one talent when it came time to report back to the Lord as to what he had done with that which had been given to him, excused himself, and said, I'm sorry, Lord, I have not given you anything in return. I'm just giving you back what you gave me. For you see, I was afraid I might lose it, and so I hid it in order that I could preserve it and give it back to you. And the Lord was very angry. The Lord was upset that that which he had given to his servant had not been used at all. And he took that talent of money from his servant and gave it to the one who had five talents and had gained five more for his master. He took away that which would not be used. I earnestly believe with all my heart that the Lord looks upon us as his stewards of that which we have of time, of talent, and of money, 
and say to us, if you do not use that which I have given to you for my glory, I may find it necessary to take it away from you to give it to somebody who will use it. I've seen that happen. I knew a young lady in my early ministry who had a beautiful voice and who sang sometimes in the church, but she became wayward and used her voice to sing in patterns and other places of not quite so good repute. The day came when that lady discovered she couldn't carry it to me. She had lost it. Totally, completely. Because what the Lord had given her, the Lord took away from her. Because she would not use it for God's glory. I believe this happens with our time. If we do not use our time wisely for the benefit of God, we might find that we are coming up short life, and the Lord may say, take him out of the ground, for he is cluttering it up with incorruptivity. The money that we might have, he might say, that child of mine is so selfish that he will not use what I have given him for my glory. Take it away from him. Give it to somebody that will use it for my glory. God has entrusted to us so much. He has a right for a return on that which he has given. This steward had a dilemma. He lost his job. He no longer was going to be a steward. The man hadn't done manual labor. and He recognized that he couldn't go out there and pick up a shovel or a pick and go to work. He couldn't hoe in the field, for he had never done that. He had been an office-type individual, and now he recognized that he was a person not capable of of earning a living in anything else other than what he'd been accustomed to, and now that had been taken from him. He begins to wonder, what shall I do? He was too ashamed to beg, and he didn't know how he was going to handle it. But then he got a good idea. I don't know what I'll do. I'll go to all the people who owe my master money or goods, and I'll say to them, hey, how much do you owe, Lord? And one of them said, well, I owe him a hundred measures of oil. He said, hurry up, write 50 is all you owe. The man did he said to another one, how much do you owe? And he said, I owe him a hundred bushel of wheat. Right, eighty. His idea was, I'll obligate you to me. And when the master discharges me next week, I can come and say to you, hey, remember that favor I did to you? You don't owe nearly as much as you did. Now, you're obligated to me. Blackmail was his game. But the important thing was he was inviting others to participate in his sin. 
And although their sin was great, his certainly was greater. Listen, if you want to disobey God, for goodness sakes, do it alone. Don't get others to participate with you. For not only are you going to answer for your own sin, you're going to answer for the sin of those that you have brought down with you. And this, friend, is the thing that we do too many times as Christian people as well as non-Christian. We invite others to sin with us. And the scripture says it is better for, one, for a person who has offended one of these little ones that a millstone were hanged around his neck and he was drowned in the depths of the sea. You had better be killed than to cause somebody else to sin. For your penalty is multiplied by your inviting and encouraging others to participate in that which you have decided to do that is contrary to the Master's will. Now you know well that eventually the obligation of these people who owed the Master money the, that the obligation they had to the servant was going to wear thin. There's going to be a conflict somewhere down the line. What do you owe, he said. Compromise what you owe. Listen, listen carefully. There are many people who are advocating Oh, it really doesn't make any difference. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead. It's not going to hurt. You don't need to come to church today. Stay home. You don't have to go every Sunday. Why are you reading your Bible? You don't need to do that. Why are you praying? You don't need to do that. Compromise. Go ahead. You know you ought not to drink, but go ahead and do it anyway. What, what will that hurt? Go ahead and tell that lie. What's that going to hurt? On and on the compromise goes. What do you owe, my Lord? So it's not quite so much. People say, I haven't sinned much. I'm not a bad sinner. Well, probably not. Listen, your sin and mine are compared to the pure whiteness of Jesus Christ makes us a gross sinner. We never have committed murder. Perhaps we've never committed adultery. Perhaps we've never lied or stolen. Any sin is great in the eyes of God. And the scripture says the wages of sin is death. It's the gift of God that's eternal life. This church stuff, just compromise it. Don't pay attention to the preaching. Don't pay any attention to the scripture. 
Give a little bit to the church, but don't give a whole lot. Save some for yourself. Scripture asks the question, is you all on the altar? Sacrifice me. Is you all on the altar? How much else thou, my Lord? Just write half that. 80%. Listen, I'm standing here before you tell you this morning, you owe my Lord 100% of everything you are and have. And I owe my Lord that. We owe it all. And why do we owe it all? Oh, to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Why? Because he gave his all for me on the cross of Calvary. Now, you know, it's rather strange that the Lord in this parable commended this unjust steward. He said, you acted wisely. What did he mean? You were looking out for the future. Looking out for the future. I sat down this morning, early, here at the church with a couple. Counsel with them a little bit. The one person of that couple finally admitted to me that he had just begun to realize that there was something beyond death. He thought he would always be here, he said. When I was younger, I thought I always would be. I'm beginning to realize that I won't always be. And I explained to him what eternity is. Let me tell you folks something. You won't always be here. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you better be thinking about the future and making some plans for it. Because when the heart quits beating and the life ceases to exist in the body, the soul of man leaves it. And it's going to go somewhere and it's going to live on. It's never going to die. It's going to be in existence. It's going to be one of two places. It's going to be in the depths of hell or it's going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the difference between the two is based upon your plan to make the future bright or dull to receive the Lord Jesus Christ or to reject him and therefore accept nothing but the consequences of eternal damnation. This wise steward is wiser, or this unjust steward is wiser than we are if we don't make plans for tomorrow. Now his plans for tomorrow are fairly short-sighted. All he had in mind was, I'm going to have a place to get a meal and a place to sleep because I've got somebody that's obligated to me. And he was not very wise in that. That's what most people think about who are not Christian. I've got my friends. I have my family. And I've had people say that to me. I don't need Christ. I've got my mom and dad. I don't need the Lord. I have a wife. I have a husband. I don't need the Lord. I've got friends. Listen. 
those people also will go the way that we will go. And then who is the friend? Then who is the husband and who is the father and the mother or the child that can give us some security in the future? They will be gone. Our friends cease to be friends to us. Our mothers are no longer our mothers. Another's still living, but there's a day coming when she will not be, and I can't go home and cry on her shoulder anymore. The scripture says, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. What plan do you got for the future? We've seen some tragedies in our community in the past weeks. That have been tragic indeed. Suppose that had been you. Where would you be today? Let me come back to you, church, and conclude. In verse 11, the Lord says, if you can't be faithful, and of what I've given in this world. What makes you think I can entrust to you eternal things? You hear that? If you can't be faithful in handling what I have given you here, what can I do with you in heaven? What can I give you there to be entrusted with? How can we answer? A steward has to undergo an audit. I don't know if any of you have ever had an IRS audit or not. They're not fun. I have one one time. They're not fun. You're going to have an eternal audit, and I'm going to have an eternal audit. And the real question I'm going to have to face. Besides, what did I do with Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior? Is what did I do in my stewardship with what God gave me, with my time, the ability that I have, and the money that I have? How much do you owe, my Lord?
too proud to admit that I'm a sinner. Too proud to admit that I must be saved. Listen, your pride might condemn you to hell. Yield your life, will you not, to the Lord Jesus? If you're a Christian already, consider the question of your stewardship. How much do you will, my Lord? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.